0: Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn with me to the book of Judges, chapter 2. Judges, chapter 2. That's where I better go. Y'all don't ever lose your place in the Bible, do you? I said judges and I kept looking down and I realized I was in Joshua. When I think of our graduates and I think of what's ahead of them, we all sometimes wonder what God has in store for us. What's in our future? What does God have in mind? I have to admit through the years and I go back on days like this and go back to my graduation other times. We've got a class reunion uh, coming up in June. I'm looking forward to it. Because of COVID, we weren't able to celebrate our 50 year or 51st year. And so... uh, my 52nd year is coming up in June. We're going to have a reunion. I'm looking forward to going to it and being a part of it. But you ask the question always what's next? Don't know that I knew what was in store for me when I left uh, high school. But uh, if you go into my office, you'll look, and behind my desk, I have three pictures. Uh, These pictures uh, are one of uh, Moses, one of Joshua, and one of Peter. These three men have been significant in my life. Moses really was the first pastor in scripture in that he pastored the children of Israel through all of that process. And then Joshua is who took them into the promised land. And... um, I just relate. I don't know necessarily why I chose these 3 to have a picture behind me, but I relate to Moses and I relate to Joshua and my desire to take us into the land that God wants us to have and wants us to walk in here on planet earth into the promised land. That's where he wants us to be. And I think I associate with Peter because he's a cousin sailor. He was always in trouble, and that's kind of the story of my life. I mean, it just like I was always saying something or doing something and getting my foot in my mouth and saying the wrong thing. But these were three of my heroes. And um, Joshua is probably my favorite. He marched the children of Israel, if you'll remember, around Jericho and took them into the... A promised land. Moses was not able to do that, but Joshua was. And that's kind of been my prayer throughout all of the years. And if you've been listening to me for the last 40 years and you hear the message that I've been trying to preach, it's about not really taking us to heaven as much as it is bringing heaven to earth and walking in the land that God has promised to here on planet earth, being everything that he has predestined us to be, which is conformed, to the image of Christ. Now, if you read, and I wanna read a couple of verses here from Judges chapter two, you'll see kinda what happened here in verse 10. It says, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done." Now, this verse to me is a very sad verse. Joshua led them into the promised land and it says that this next generation didn't know the Lord, nor did they know what the Lord had done. It really wasn't the fact that they didn't know the story, they just didn't own it. They didn't own the story. They knew the story, they didn't own it. Here's what I wanna ask this morning. Do we, you and I, a Christian Center corporately, do we know our story? Do we know what God has brought us out of, what he has taken us into, what he has done for us? In this story, the next generation didn't talk about what God had done in their lives. When I think of the story of Rama Christian Center, when I think about what God has done since 1984, when I think I think of so many stories and I mean I could just go on and on. I think about what it costs us to do what we have done in the last 40 years. What we have built in the last 40 years. The multitudes of offerings that we have received. Steve talked about what we gave in scholarships. We've given literally over $3 million to foreign missions through the years. The untold hours that people have spent on this property working and laboring and donating and teaching and giving and imparting and counseling. I mean, when you begin to think about what God has done at Rama Christian Center, it's just, Amazing. All of the service that people have rendered unto the Lord. Why? The reason why is so the story can continue. Everything we've done is to impact another generation to impact the future. How many of you want the story to continue? Do you realize how many churches are closing every day? Do you realize how many churches the average age is over 70 years of age in the church and there are no children? Almost every week I have a pastor talk to me about the fact that they have no one in their church under 30 years of age. It's amazing. I want to say to all of our graduates today, I want you to have a story to tell. I want you to be able to tell your story. Today I want to tell you a Bible story, a story about a woman from the town or a place called Shunem. She's known throughout scripture as the Shunammite woman. She's been preached about many times. Many of you have heard uh, stories about her, tells about her, preached about her. But I want to tell you a story today. I want to try to just talk and not even get into a big way of preaching, but I want to tell you a story. In 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning at verse 8, it says, Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there To eat some food. And she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, well, let me just stop. He turned in there, spent the night. Again, this story's been preached a lot. There's a lot of people, most of you've heard this story. When you begin to hear this Lady, this woman's story and her desire to do something for the man of God. This is, this is personal for me because I, I have my own story to tell. I have my own stories that are important to me. But this lady had a real desire to not only feed this man of God, but in his travel and his journey to pr- pr- provide a place for him to rest. But here's what I want you to know. Even though she fed him meals, even though she fixed him a room with a bed and a lamp stand, there's more to the story. You know, as a pastor, sometimes people come into my office and they want to sit down and they want to tell me their story. They're always sincere. They tell me their story then I talk to their mate, and I find out there's always more to the story than they told me. Anybody relate to what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, when your kids come and tell you their story, let me assure you of one thing. Whatever it is your kids come and tell you, there's always more to the story than they told you. Is that right? There are scenes to stories. When people tell their stories, we've got to be able to distinguish between a scene in the story and the entire story. You can't Judge the entire story by just one scene of the story. The Shunammite woman, the day she prepared a meal for Elisha, that was a scene of the story. The day she made the, uh, built the, the room on, that was a scene of the story. And what I want you to understand is scenes in our life are not the full story. you'd have seen Joseph when he was in a pit and you interacted with Joseph in a pit, you would understand that that scene was one scene in his story. If you would have met Joseph in jail, you would have understood that while he was in prison that that scene was only one, that part was only one scene in the story of Joseph. If you would have met Joseph when he was in the palace and he was responsible for feeding everybody, you would understand that there were many scenes in the life of Joseph, but one scene is not the whole story. Life is not just a scene. Scenes are temporary. They are not the whole story. Listen to me say this. You don't stop the story because you're in a scene that you don't like. Hear me today. I got something to say to you. There are scenes in all of our lives, moments in our history, Moments in our lives where we go through things where it's uncomfortable, where it's not good, where we don't like what's going on. We wish things would change. But I'm here to tell you today, the scene is not the story. Jesus is not just about a nativity scene. What are you saying? Well, that's a scene in his story. But that's not his whole story. Jesus is not about a cross in his story. That's a scene in his story, but that's not the whole story. Jesus is resurrected, and he comes to life, and he comes out of the tomb, out of the grave, and that's a scene in his story, but hear me carefully say this. That's not his whole story. Help me, Lord. He grew up. He opened blinded eyes. He caused the lame to walk. He caused the deaf to hear. He caused the mute to talk. They put him on a cross. But that's not the story. That's a scene. The devil, when he crucified Jesus, thought that he had won on Saturday, but on Sunday, there was more to the story. Look at somebody and say, There's more to your story. Will you do that? One scene, Jesus was crowned with a crown of thorns. In another scene, he wears a crown of glory. What do you mean? There are scenes to your story. In the book of Romans, the 8th chapter, Romans chapter 8, and verse 18, it says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. What am I saying? The suffering that you're going through in this scene of your life can't be compared with the glory that God wants to lead you to in another scene of your story. Everybody hear me say this. If you're alive and breathing today, how many is alive and breathing? God's not finished writing your story. You can't get a resurrection if there's no crucifixion. In order for there to be a resurrection, there had to be a crucifixion. Everybody's story starts somewhere. You know, I look around this room and I I, I just, you you know, I want to say this. Some of you have wrote checks every week, every month, every year, and everything you've done has caused you to be involved in the story of Christian Christensen. You realize that? Think about it for a moment. Everything you've done, every class you've taught, everything you've given, your time, your talent, your money, everything you've done, God has placed into the writing of the story of Rama Christensen yes. What it is. What it does. When you and I put our story into his story, it becomes history. Let me say it again. When you and I put our little story into Jesus' story, it becomes history. You realize that history is nothing but his story. If the only scene you know is a manger... If the only scene you know is a crucifixion, if the only scene you know is a resurrection and you don't see the scene where he came to take up residence living on the inside of you, his story is still being told in every one of our lives, every day of our life, in everything we do. Think about it with me. His story. Let me go back to the Shunammite woman's story for just a moment. The Shunammite woman says to the husband, Elisha, this man of God who comes by here, we fixed him a meal, let's build him a room. She wanted to bless the man of God to make an impact on his life. She makes him a meal one day, the next day she builds him a room. And there's more to the story. How many of you are born again, accepted Christ, you are a Christian? Let me see your hand. Is that your story? Or is that just a scene in your story? What do you mean? Oh, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, everything's fixed. Is that the whole story? No. one of the greatest things my, ever, my daddy ever taught me and he taught me all my life what are you going to do with what you got don't come telling me what you don't have and why you can't do something I want you to focus on and look at what you have and tell me what you're going to do with what you've got what are you going to do With what you got. This Shunammite woman, she built him a room. She cooked him a meal. She gave him an offering. When we started Rama Christian Center, I had no earthly idea what we would do through the years. But do you realize Raymond Christian Center has a story? I go around this room and I look at the things and all that's been accomplished and all the stuff that's happened. I gotta add to the story after everything Louis built, he came out last week to mow the grass and sprained his ankle. That goes into the story. Probably not the biggest hurt you ever had in injury. <laughs> Now watch this. When the Shunammite woman built the room for the man of God, she thought she was doing something for God. But what if, while she was looking to do something for the man of God, what if God was looking for something that he might do through the man of God for the Shunammite woman. Pastor, what are you saying? Well, there's more to the story. She didn't just fix him a meal. She didn't just give him an offering. She didn't just build him a room. She had a nice house. She had a nice bank account. But she also had a barren Womb. What are you saying? There's more to the story. Beautiful, but barren. Loaded, had plenty, but she was also empty. Elisha comes in, is sleeping in this room one night, and he lays down while he's resting in this comfortable room that the Shunammite woman has just built for him. He's laying there thinking. What can I do for this woman? So Elisha calls her in and he had his servant Gehazi there and I want you to read what happens here in 2 Kings 4 beginning at verse 11. Let's watch this scene of the story. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunite woman. When he called her, she stood before him, and he said to him, Say now to her, Look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. So he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. So he said, Call her. When he called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, About this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, No, my lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. What are you saying? Well, I'm saying to you, the story didn't start here in 2 Kings chapter 4. Wonder how many times through all of the years she had tried to have a baby. Wonder how many times... She had wanted and dreamed and desired to have a child. wonder how many times before 2 Kings chapter 4 was her desire for this child to come, but all of a sudden here in 2 Kings chapter 4, one day in a scene of her life, Elisha brings her in and he says, This time next year, you're going to have a baby boy. And you know what happened? She did. And that's the story. That's the story. She did for the man of God. Fixed him a meal, gave him an offering, made him a room, and the man of God prayed for her and prophesied to her, and she had a son. Why? Because God keeps his promises. But, there's more the story. Pastor, what do you mean? Well, that baby began to grow up. Beginning at verse 18 of 2 Kings chapter 4, read this with me. It says, And the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said to his father, My head, my head. So he said to a servant, Carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. Now think about this scene of her life. Think about what happened. She had done things for the man of God. Things had happened. All of a sudden, she has this child, the man of God's wanting to do something for her. And then all of a sudden, one day, this child that God had given her dies. Sometimes even dreams that God births will die. But here's what I want you to know it's a scene, not the story. Let's read on, verse 21. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him, and went out. Then she called her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, Why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And and she said, It is well. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she said, it is well. Right there's a sermon, but I won't go into that. It is well. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, She caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So she said, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, Get yourself ready and take my staff on your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer, but lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Do you see her persistence? Now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore he went back to meet him and told him, saying, The child has not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, there was the child laying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands and he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself on him and then the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes and he called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite woman. So he called her and when she came in, he said, pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. Then he picked up her son. She picked up her son and went out. Isn't that quite a story? I mean, just think about. Here's a lady wanting to do something for the man of God, fixes him a meal, builds him a room on the house, puts a bed, takes care of him. He prophesies she has a son. But the son dies and she goes and gets the man of God and said, did I not say don't deceive me? And he comes back and the child gets up. What a story. It's a good story because it lets you know that whatever's barren in your life can still bring forth and whatever dies can still come alive by the word of God. Listen to me say this to you who have faced it. I want you to understand that the Bible is clear that the dead in Christ will rise again. It may be a scene in somebody's life, but it's not the end of the story. Help me, Lord. When God speaks, nothing that he speaks will return to him void it accomplishes what he sent it to do. Now stop a minute and think, isn't the Shunammite woman's story wonderful? Isn't this a wonderful story? There's just so many things here. The thing I want you to understand, it doesn't really begin in 2 Kings chapter 4, but it doesn't also stop in 2 Kings chapter 4. The story doesn't stop when the room is built or the mill is prepared or the child is born it doesn't stop when the child dies and it doesn't stop when the child is raised why well let's go to second kings chapter 8 and let's look at verse 1 And Elisha spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go, you and your household, and stay wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine, and furthermore, it will come upon the land for seven years. Now here's this lady has gone through all of this and the man of God gives her a word and says there's going to be a famine where you are. You need to leave. God is preparing her more to her story. Can I tell you this? Some of the worst scenes make the best stories. Do you realize if there hadn't been a crucifixion, the resurrection wouldn't be as beautiful as it is. If this lady's son hadn't died, Elisha raising him up wouldn't have been such a beautiful story. There are scenes to our life that have one thing and carry something. I wonder how many people go through a bad scene at a church and leave God for the rest of their life when that scene should not dictate the rest of their story. Well, I was gonna be a Christian, but you know I went some hard times. I went through a difficult space. I went through a, a really tough time. That's not the whole story. Listen to me. Look at me. I don't care what you've been through. I hurt with you. It's sad. I grieve with you, but it's not the end of your story. God is not finished writing your story. So here's this lady, this Shunammite woman, she comes and a famine is coming. God blesses her with a word to prepare her to get her through the seven years. The miracle in this famine is not that God prevented the famine, but that He provided for her through the famine. Now watch this. 2 Kings 8 verse 2. So the woman arose and did according to the saying of the man of God, and she went with her household and dwelt in the land of the Philistines seven years. It came to pass at the end of seven years that the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went to make her appeal to the king for her house and for her land. Now, Think about this for a moment. She's gone for seven years. She got up. She walked off because of a word from the man of God. And this lady has some guts to come back and go to the king. She went straight to the king. She wants her house and her land back. And she goes to the king to ask for the house that she had abandoned, the land that she had abandoned, because... To the Philistine, the land of the Philistines, because of the famine. So, in verse four, let's read. Then the king talked with Gehazi. Y'all remember who Gehazi was? The servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, please, all the great things Elisha has done. Now here's the servant of Elisha, Gehazi, in talking to the king and the king is saying, tell me about this man of God and some things he's done. Now it happened as he was telling the king how he had restored the dead to life that there was the woman whose son he had restored to life appealing to the king for her house and for the land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman and this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. Now I want you to follow me just a moment. I want you to get the picture of what's going on here. I want you to see something. Now hear, hear me say this. The king says, tell me some stories, some great stories about what Elisha has done. And Gehazi is in there telling the king the stories. You want to talk about timing? Right in the middle of Gehazi telling the king about him raising a Shunammite woman's child from the dead and she comes walking in to the king's palace. With a request. Think about this for a moment. I can just imagine, and my imagination runs bit here. I can see Gehazi. Now think about this. He hasn't seen this woman in seven years. She's been gone to the land of the Philistines. And here he is and he's telling this story and right in the middle of this story, he's telling the king and all of a sudden he turns around and looks and He goes, Hey, 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 wait just a... I, I, I believe that's her and I believe that's that boy right there. And in she comes with her request for her house and her land to be restored. What she did in 2 Kings chapter 4 with a meal, with an offering, with a room, with a bed for the man of God met her in 2 Kings chapter 8. Are you listening to me? where she comes back before the king to request her land back and her house back and the king didn't have to give it to her. Do you know what happened there? God's story met her story. What if the story you're living in at this moment, what if the scenes that are going on in your life at this moment, what if what you're going through at this very second is about to have a rendezvous with God's story and God is about to do something in your despair, in your discouragement, in your struggle, in your battle, What if God's getting ready to have his story meet your story and him change something for goodness? Pastor, I just feel like quitting. I feel like giving up. I just think there's no use. Is God dead? Maybe he's writing his story through you like he did through the Shunammite woman. Now watch this. If the scene that she would have chosen, just think a minute, if she was choosing a scene of her life for it not to have been there, don't you think she would have looked back and said, man, I don't know that I can handle the death of a child. But if that scene wouldn't have been there, where would the miracle be? Here's what's going through my mind right now. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. Wonder what would happen if you would stop being discouraged about the past scenes in your life and start realizing that God may be using that scene in your life to teach you something and show you something that you could be part of God's scene in somebody else's life to help them and strengthen them and encourage them and heal them and bring them into a greater relationship with God. Hear me say this. I think God is telling your story. Everybody who's done one thing for Rama Christian Center is in God's story about this church. All the human side of us wanna look at, oh, look how much you've done, look how much this person done, look how much that done, I haven't done near as much as somebody else. Where would we be today if everybody hadn't done what they did in God's story. See, here's what happens. It's amazing how so many times we think we know people because we walk into one scene in their story and we judge them and look at them and talk about them because of, One scene in their story. How many of you look back over your life and you've had some scenes in your story you're not proud of? Hmm? What if God judged you by the one scene that you're not proud of? I want to assure you he doesn't. People may, but he never will. I have people come here for the first time and they look around Rama Christian Center and they begin talking about all of the stuff that, that's here and what God's done and they just think that, that, that we've always kind of just walked on water. And I go back and I look at all of the times. I'm going to tell you, let me tell you a scene that we had in our story. Back years and years ago, we were over in that building and we had a satellite dish and we would do a satellite thing with, with a, a, a fella out of Texas and we would have these things going on. And in those days when we had that, we had that satellite dish out there and they would send you the coordinates of where you would put that big satellite dish and we would bring it in and play it on a big screen. In those days we had to set the big screen up. And one night we're in there getting ready to start church. Louis's out there. We're trying to find the satellite dish and I'm inside and I'll say it's over there. When you got to the right satellite, then you had to find the right channel. When he come across one satellite, it was on the Playboy channel. And I'm all in, turn it, turn it. You remember that, don't you? Huh? Some guy guy jumped up and said, This is what heaven will be. No. I'm joking. I hope y'all are all right. Now, if that's too religious for you, if that's too religious for you, you need to get out of the religious scene in your life and get on with God. What are you saying? That's a scene that happened at a time in the story of Rama Christian Center. And there's hundreds of others I'm not telling Listen carefully to me. If you're in a pit, don't stay in a pit. If you're on a cross, don't stay on a cross. If you feel like you're in a grave and you're dead and dying, I'm looking at you today. Don't stay in that grave. That's only a scene in your life, what you're going through. God is wanting to work an eternal weight of glory through you and in you. And if you'll just keep your eyes on the whole story. If I can say anything to our graduates, never, 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 never give up on God. married one of Charlotte's granddaughters yesterday and when she and her husband were giving their vows to each other, I remember her as a little girl in this church, haven't seen or been around her in years but as she was making her commitment to her husband and she brought God into that and making God a paramount there, I stood there thinking, praise you Lord for the commitment that she's making in her covenant called marriage. Will she make mistakes? I'm sure she will. Will she struggle at times? I'm sure she will. But if God is there, you don't have to worry. As Paul Harvey would say, I want to tell you the rest of the story with the Shunammite woman. Second Kings, chapter eight, verse five. Now it happened as he was telling the king how he had restored the dead to life, that there was the woman whose son he had restored to life appealing to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, my lord, O king, This is the woman and this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed a certain officer for her saying, Restore all that was hers and all the proceeds of the field from the day she left until now. She not only got her house and her land back, but she got everything it provided for the seven years she was gone. Let me ask you this. What have you abandoned in your life that you need to go back to the king and get restored? What is it that you have walked away from because of famine that you need to come back to the king for him to restore it? Today, 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 he wants to restore everything Everything in your life. God is a good God, and His mercies endureth forever. Let's stand. Dear Lord, I'm asking you to restore some relationships, some finances, some emotions, some health. I'm asking you to restore some years into the lives of this congregation. Help us to understand, Lord, you're not finished writing our stories. So Lord, give us wisdom to raise up another generation. Raise up another generation for you and do what you want done. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things that I've thought a lot about in the last couple of days is wonder who this boy that was the son of the Shunammite woman Became to be. I don't know if it's written in story. I mean, in scripture, somebody smarter than me may be able to follow that and pick that out. And there may be some story, but we never know. But if you look at lineage and genealogies, God hands things down from one generation to the next generation and does some great and mighty and powerful things. And I'm looking at every one of you and here's what, I want, here's what I want to say to you. Don't discourage the next generation by not sharing your story with them. Now please hear my heart for just a moment. I get sick and tired of people sharing what the devil has done in their life. You get sick and tired of it. Why don't you start sharing what God has done in your life and start focusing on the good things. Most of the stuff you think the devil did, you did on your own. Wasn't the devil at all. It was you. Did you notice what this woman said? The boy had died. Just, it just leaps at me. She came to the man. Her husband said, How, how are you? He, she said, It is well. She gets to the man of God and he says, How are you? How's your husband? And how's your son? And she says, It is well. Sounds to me like she had some faith beyond the circumstance or the situation. I've sung that song, It Is Well With My Soul for years of my life, almost every day when nobody's around. And most of the time, I'm making a faith declaration to the Lord. It is well with my soul because the circumstance doesn't appear. The situation is not what I'm choosing, but it is well with my soul. So today, in closing, here's what I want you to just simply say. Dear Lord, I'm asking you to write my story. Let me finish my story. Do everything in my story that you need to do. Restore. Replenish. Renew my life and my soul soul. with you today I pray in Jesus name. Amen.